heaven will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and everything that is done on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, what sort of person ought you to be in leading lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set ablaze and dissolved, and the elements will melt into fire. But, in accordance with his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, where righteousness is at home. Therefore, beloved, while you are waiting for these things, strive to be found by him at peace, without thought or blemish in regard to the patience of our Lord as salvation. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, claiming the baptism of repentance and forgiveness of sin. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. We 
We often are either responding to something we've committed ourselves to in our spiritual life, or it's because we understand it to be a command from God, and we respond to it. We may not feel like it, but we respond to it. I think the passage that we have from Isaiah this morning is a continuation of that idea. In it, we hear God command, comfort, oh comfort my people. You'll recall that Judah had been, uh, had been conquered in uh, the year 587 BCE, and they were taken into exile in Babylon. In fact, it was, they didn't take everybody, but they took the ones who were the leaders and the ones who were most influential. So there were still people left in Jerusalem and, and the other cities of Judah. But there were also those leaders who were over in Babylon. The way that they understood what had happened to them, they believed God was punishing them for their faithlessness. Now it's important, I think, for us to remember that all through Scripture, we have an unfolding of, of humankind's <coughs> understanding of God and of how God interacts with us. And their understanding was that what had happened was punishment because they had not been faithful, they had not been steadfast. And in today's text, the prophet is declaring that that punishment is over, it is finished, and God has something much different for them in the future. Now I'm going to do something this morning that I don't usually do in a sermon. No, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise hands. <laughs> But I'm going to do a text study and a little bit of a word study. Uh, you'll notice that uh, what we have in this text from Isaiah is a dialogue. It's a dialogue between the prophet and God. And you also need to remember that the original Hebrew has no punctuation. Now we, we read the Hebrew scriptures and we see all the punctuation that's in there, we sort of take it for granted. But when they read it, there was no punctuation. Now, there are some scholars who don't particularly uh, agree with the interpretation that that punctuation we have in the Revised Standard Version uh, gives us. So I'm going to offer a slightly different uh, interpretation that results from a change in punctuation. We begin where the voice says to God, it says to the prophet, that is God saying to the prophet, cry out. Now that word, cry out, means to proclaim, to preach. God is telling the prophet, preach. And then it goes on, the prophet says, what shall I preach? What shall I cry? And the scholars suggest the prophet continues to speak after that is said. All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. And then God responds. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up. Do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. One of my paraphrases by saying that God tells the prophet to preach. And the prophet says, what should I preach to these awful people? And the word, by the way, for constancy there is the Hebrew word said. I can't pronounce it well. It comes from the back of the throat. A said. 
steadfastness, loving kindness. Constancy doesn't quite catch that. And it really means much more than that. It's a very nuanced word. But it means, in a sense, this faithful steadfastness that we're called to as God's people. The prophet knew that the people were not faithful. He knew that they did not have I think it's also possible that the people knew that they didn't have consent. I think they perhaps thought they were not worthy. But God commands the prophet to declare to them comfort. And not only that, he declares that even the people, the people of Jerusalem, the people of Judah, should declare comfort. Should preach, in other words, to one another and declare, here is your God. In this passage, I think we have this wonderful, wonderful image of how God reaches out to God's people, not because they are worthy, but because they are God's people. And he goes on, of course, and talks about how the valleys will be raised up, and the mountains will be made low, and the paths will be made straight through the wilderness, not God coming on a path that goes through towns and villages and cities that the conqueror would come, but as one who is coming to the people in the wilderness, where it's very hard for humanity to survive and to live well, God is coming to those who are in need. God sees their need and reaches out. And God says that God will be a shepherd to his people. Well, as we are in this Advent season, I think it's important for us to hear that God wants to comfort us as well. And perhaps you, like myself, from time to time, don't feel that you're worthy of God's love. Don't believe that God could possibly love you unconditionally because you are one of God's. But that's the reality of the Scripture. That's what the Scripture tells us. But it's not just about us receiving God's love, because we've received so completely, so fully, so unconditionally. We've even received from the one who is the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, coming among us and living as one of us. But it's not just for us to receive, it's for us to carry God's love to others, especially to the stranger, to the one in need. And we could hear that command from God, comfort, comfort my people. And who are my people? They are all the peoples of the earth. All are in need of my love. All are in need of your extension of God's love. So this Advent season, we have a wonderful opportunity, I think, to welcome that love of God into our lives, but then to do something and to reach out to others. This morning at announcement time, uh, you will be introduced to members of the faculty of the Marigundo School in Rwanda. And it's a wonderful story. I don't have time in this sermon to tell it. But I will say simply this. This is a new school in Rwanda that is there because of some women in Newton who decided they could do something. And then our own Birch Ford became connected with the school, and through Birch, the uh, Beijing circle and the members of that circle started to understand what was happening in that wonderful place and soon saw that that was a possibility
education to girls who are uh, middle school age and to children that otherwise would not have a quality education. And quality it is. They just graduated their first class, and when they took the national exams in Rwanda, their school ranked third among all the schools. And among the girls' schools, it ranked first. And this is a school that's only been open for three or four years. So we are blessed to have that. I think it's an opportunity for us to reach out beyond ourselves, to learn something about others who are in a very different situation, but most of all, to join the work of God in that place. Because God is present there, changing lives, with love extended by the faculty, teachers, and all of those who support those children, and is making a difference in their lives that will change their lives forever. Outreach is very important because it's a way for us to re respond to that command of God to show God's love to the world around us. So Sister Joan asked the novices, why do we come to prayers? And she says, because the bell rings. And we might ask, why do we engage in outreach? Even outreach that goes way beyond our borders. And we say, because God commanded it. Comfort. Comfort my people. Amen.
Jesus Christ in power and glory. Let us pray to the Lord. Amen. For the coming of wisdom to teach and guide us, let us pray to the Lord. Amen. For the coming of Emmanuel, the hope of all the peoples, let us pray to the Lord. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Western Kazan, for Rowan Williams, Archbishop of Canterbury, and for the reconciliation of the worldwide Anglican communion. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we give thanks for the ministries of St. John's Church, Arlington, the Order of St. Anne, Arlington, All Saints Church, Canterbury, Parish of Messiah, Auburndale, and for the Alewife Deanery. For the Church throughout the world of the faithful in every place, let us pray to the Lord. For Catherine, our presiding bishop, Tom and Gail, our bishops, for Tony and Nick, our priests, for Ivan, Janet, Judy, Maureen, and Spencer, our priests and sisters, and for all bishops and all those who minister to Christ, and for all the holy people of God, let us pray to the Lord. For Barack, our president, and the Baal, our governor, for the leaders of the nation and all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. For justice, peace, and freedom among peoples of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. We pray for Jean, Leo, Jake, Brennan, Jonathan, Elijah, Lindsay, Will, Marshall, Scott, Jenny, Kenneth, Mike, Wendy, Peter, Kat, Roger, Chabray, Christine, Bob, Pete, Father Don, Peter, Dolores, John, Moral, Michael, Dick and Alice, Neil, David and Benjamin, Gwyneth, Carol, Francis, Marilyn, Dave, Will, the Reverend Tony Clavier, David, Steve, Del, Kathy, Donald, Barry, Sandra, Nelson, Sherry, Bridget, Amy, Andrew, Eli, Derek, Don, Bonnie, Jack and Dean, Liz, Holly and Taylor, for those without jobs and those serving in the military. Are there others? <coughs> for the sick and the suffering, for the hungry and oppressed, and for those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. We pray for those who have perished in the wars in Afghanistan and Iraq, and for all those who have died from war and natural disasters. We pray for the repose of the souls of David Griffey, beloved teacher at Concord Carlisle High School, and Carl Carlson, father of Ellen Carlson. Are there others? For the dying and for those who have died, let us pray to 
um, which will be held at Middlesex School. And you are all invited, and those people have tickets, and even though they're too shy to tell you, they'll gladly tell you. As a Christian we are also an anchor of the Friends of the Anchor Community, and one of the things that's unique about us is choral evensong, usually done by very professional choirs, and it's a wonderful time for about 45 minute service. What that to do is something that is perfectly exclusive. It's a choral song in the chapel, sung by our children. And if you have more talk, more of them.
bank prepared the foundation of the world. Through Christ, and with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, to you be honor, glory, and praise forever and ever. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ Christ the Father, we are bold